Today on this episode of AMPM Podcast, I'm bringing you the bearded picker. This guy has an incredible story from walking away from his normal job with no plan. He started selling stuff on eBay, eventually on Amazon, and he's turned it into his full-time gig. He gets to travel the world. He gets to meet a lot of cool people, see a lot of cool stuff. But most importantly, he has the flexibility to do whatever the heck he wants to. He makes a good living. He has a lot of fun doing it. He's going to tell his story and talk about the state of arbitrage in 2020 on this episode of the AMPM podcast. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the a.m. and the p.m. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the a.m. p.m. podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the a.m. p.m. podcast. Today, I am joined by the Bearded Picker, also known as Scott Zilke, his real name. He's coming at us live from the Bearded Picker headquarters here in Huntsville, Alabama also known as his garage. How are we doing? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, Bearded Picker headquarters is a mess as it usually is. If you guys can see this on YouTube, you know what we're talking about. Scott is literally sitting in a jungle of shelves, printers, and stuff that he probably intended to sell, but I suspect a lot of that stuff is old inventory, right? Yeah, it's when you run two platforms, eBay and Amazon, one suffers over the other one, and whichever one I feel like doing the most <laughs> Right now, I'm doing a lot of Amazon, so eBay is just piling up. Yep. So just to give everybody a little bit of a, a background, I met Scott sometime last year in Vegas, but he actually lives just a few miles from me. He actually knew my wife and and kind of some mutual acquaintances and figured out that we're kind of in the same realm, which is selling on Amazon. Since then, he's made some appearances in his creepy minivan cruising through my neighborhood on garage sale days. And <laughs> we've had lunch a few times, but Scott is what we call a reseller, right? In the e-commerce world, he he lives and breathes reselling. And just real briefly, Scott, just just explain to the audience what exactly it is you do. Like what's your business model? How do you make your so I, I look for, you know, the retail arbitrage on Amazon is the term that's been kind of coined. It's you're looking for items that are that are lower price in a store that you can sell for more price online. So if you're doing eBay, I generally find things at yard sales, uh, flea markets, you know, the thrift stores. And today's this weekend's a good example. Picked up a Sony DVD VCR combo player listed it yesterday. I paid ten dollars for it. I took an offer for ninety nine today. I mean, that's a twenty twenty four hour flip. I was just saying, you do this big time. Like this isn't this isn't a part time. This is your full time gig, right? Correct. This is my full time job. Uh, wife doesn't work. She is she's disabled. She's had four back surgeries and fought breast cancer, so she doesn't work anymore. So it's it's just me out here, one one lone guy. One lone guy, and I've followed you on. Uh, on Facebook and social media, I see you take these these big trips, right? Like you don't just buy here in North Alabama where you're located. Like pretty much anything east of the Rocky Mountains is your domain, right? Uh, well, I've been to California twice, so I don't stop there. <laughs> From one, one end to the other, uh, 41 states. Uh, on the current van, I've put 150,000 miles on it. And there was the, the dead van in the driveway had 70 on it before it died. So a lot of miles. 
Yeah, so that's basically the short of the business model, right? Is you'll go anywhere and everywhere from thrift stores to Walmarts to Kohl's to wherever, basically finding and uh, and flipping. Is that the the gist of it, or is there more to it than that? That's pretty much it. You uh, when you're doing it in the retail setting, you know, there's a Walmart, and if you find a good deal in one Walmart, chances are you can find it in every Walmart you can get to. So there's eight Walmarts in this area. That's not good enough. You know, I've been to <laughs> I've been to Walmarts everywhere i hate to think of all the walmarts i've been in but you know the same opportunity is in every one of them so you just buy as much as you can buy so in a little bit i want to get into some things like the state of reselling on uh, on amazon and other platforms but first i want to hear like how you got started in this like tell me the story of the bearded picker and and how you went from a young adorable little child that that your mother loved to the bearded ugly guy sitting in his garage full of crap <laughs> uh so i I worked fast for restaurants for 25 years. I did it going through high school, through college, and then after college. And okay, so I don't recommend you do it the way I did it. Uh, so after 25 years, I changed. I changed companies about every five years. And the last time I was getting that itch to, you know, mad at the company or whatever, you know, it occurred to me, hey, dummy, maybe it's not restaurants. Maybe it's you. And so that that time when I walked away, I'm like no job, no nothing. I'm like, I'm just done. And my lovely wife was like, okay, now we've got bills to pay. What are you going to do? And the thought occurred to me that I'm very good at eBay. I'm very good at doing eBay from yard sales to pay for vacations and just part-time for, you know, we got to, we got a bill to pay. We want to pay something early. You know, I do the side job and I'm like, what if the side job becomes the real job? And so I spent a year doing that. I spent a year pushing eBay and I found everything I could find in Wilmington, North Carolina, where I was living at the time. So I expanded to Raleigh. So I I do day trips to Raleigh and back. So you can see where the foundations of retail arbitrage traveling to California back come from. And what year was this? When were you when were you dabbling in eBay turned to all right, now let's actually support myself with this? So that was 2013. And then the summer of 2014. Um, I'm teaching a Sunday school class. I heart, some people have a hard time believing that one, but, and, and one of the guys in there goes, man, I sell on eBay just like you do. How come you don't do Amazon? And I had the same reaction. Most people go, what do you mean? Amazon, Amazon is Amazon. Uh, I didn't know there were third parties on Amazon, even though I was doing full-time eBay, which is, and so I started reading about FBA. He said, specifically FBA fulfilled by Amazon. Read about that. And so we were actually coming to Alabama for vacation because uh, Johnny's parents live here, or they did live here. They've since passed. But, and I'm like, holy cow, I don't have to clean stuff. I don't have to, you know, I can send in new stuff. Then that was the kicker, you know, not, I'm not cleaning shoes or doing clothes. I'm like, wow, new stuff. And the same thing, I did all my stores. I'm like, okay, let's do Raleigh. Raleigh became Norfolk. Raleigh became DC. Raleigh became Savannah, Georgia. So it it started the East Coast going up and down the East Coast, and then then it make, I I went to a Chicago for a one of these conferences, and I'm like Chicago, okay. So then it became I can get to the Mississippi River, and so it just expanded from there. How much how much stuff can you buy? Because the one thing they don't tell you with retail arbitrage is you can chase one item in in a store and make a lot of money just picking up the other stuff along the way, but the one item can drive you wherever you go. Um, I chase eye drops 
on our way to South Dakota. So, so you figured out there was a good deal on eye drops. You were basically going store to store, clearing out the shelves of this one particular eye drop, and along the way you'd find other bonuses, right? But like on on that specific trip going to South Dakota, your eye drops were your main bread and butter. And, and just give me an idea, like when you say you were chasing eye drops, how many units of these eye drops? How many of these dropper bottles did you buy in one trip? Um, so the, the stores were all out of them. They were fresh PM. They were out, off the market for two years. So after a year, they become stupid hard to find. Well, there, we found a store in the Midwest that's no longer with us that that still had them, and nobody looked in the stores. And so I'm starting plotting out where are they. There's none in the South. So I've got to at least get to Kansas to get to the first one. And so I went to every one of the stores in Kansas, and I'm like, well, I'll go up into Nebraska. Well, there's South Dakota. And so I ended. that's how I ended up chasing. So I ended up with each eye drop box cost $9 and I was getting 200 a box for them. And yeah, I found 150 on that first trip. Man, that's amazing. So obviously life changed for you a lot. You know, you haven't talked about how you relocated here to the beautiful state of Alabama, but you were uh, basically fed up with the restaurant game. You walked away with no plan and picked up your kind of side job as the, as your, as your primary hustle. Started chasing eye drops, going uh, all over the eastern seaboard, finding stuff. And obviously, you stuck with it. You know, so that's been seven, eight years ago. Talk to me about this lifestyle in particular, because, you know, when we look at the e commerce game, a lot of people want to, to follow this model of, you know, like these, these big brands. You've got 10 products that you have, you know, like selling in Walmart as opposed to you who's buying from Walmart and selling on Amazon, you know, so to speak. You have people that are talking about private label, that are talking about, you know, building websites and you've kind of stayed in your lane and you love this flipping lifestyle, so to speak. Talk to me about why you've chosen this kind of path, why you've stuck with it and what you see as like the big advantage to the lifestyle you're living now. So the the one thing you learn to run the restaurants all these years is you become a social worker, babysitter, everything to the employees. And I, I'd reached a point in my life where I just wanted to hear the own, the voices there in my head, my own voices, and uh, they're enough to listen to. So as I started doing this, I'm like, I, I can recognize where I've seen friends who've built these large businesses and have employees and all these things. And that kind of defeated the, you know, being stuck in a restaurant so much. I'm like, I want to go where I want to go. I want to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. And so that means figuring out how to make enough money to support the family and make it where I have my freedom. And so that's, that's been my whole goal is to focus on efficiency of what one person can do versus having to have so many people. So that's why FBA fulfillment by Amazon does wonders. It's like hiring somebody to ship without having to have an employee. Um, same thing with my, my shipping systems and stuff here. I spent a lot of money in tape machines and, and processes and equipment to make it easier for me to go faster so that I can, you know, finish the shipping real quick and then move on to what I want to do. And so that's, that's my answer to there's, there's no wrong or right answer It's what I guess midlife hit and midlife, you see the other side and it's more about time. It's more about, and I, I was re- reinforced when Joni got breast cancer and, you know, that's where I met your wife is as I was at every appointment, didn't miss a one. And how I, I sat back and thought, you know, there's a point where I pushed her in, in wheelchairs because she didn't have the strength to walk in. You know, what would have happened if I was still doing restaurant jobs, or if I had employees that I couldn't walk away from? So that kind of reinforced even further that 
they just, you know, Michael Knight, Knight Rider did it one man, right? So <laughs> it's, 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 it's about the lifestyle. It's about, you know, I have a good time. I, I visit friends and I meet people wherever I go and it's, it's on my terms. And that's, that becomes important as you get older. Yeah. And I see so much content out there, you know, in the e-commerce space about building a team and hiring these teams of EAs and getting your own, you know, infrastructure set up that you have to, you know, babysit and manage. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I've done that. I've since throttled back. You know, I used to have a shipping company. I used to have big warehouses, used to have a ton of employees. And I'm like you, it was, it was kind of defeating the purpose of being in e-commerce and being my own boss. Cause I was still back to just babysitting and, and having to stick with that schedule. And it, it, hearing you say that kind of reinforces to me that e-commerce is not like one specific job. You know, there's not one box that we all have to jump in and fit to. I mean, you literally work for yourself. You get to travel when you want to, you get to take care of your wife when you need to. You obviously support yourself well enough. So you're making some money. You get a garage full of toys you, <laughs> you can play with whenever you want to. I know that that you get to spend time like on your YouTube channel. You've got an awesome YouTube channel, The Bearded Picker. All of you that are listening, you check that out and subscribe to it. You hang out at conferences, you go to to networking events, and and you don't have to fit that mold that everybody acts like you have to fit. So, you know, I guess I could sum it up by by the lifestyle that you, by saying the lifestyle that you've chosen to live is one about flexibility and freedom. Would that be accurate? Uh, that's very accurate. Um, and it's been rewarding in a lot of different ways. Uh, so my brother does Amazon as well. Not, he's got a retirement from the, from the state, so he doesn't do as much as I do. But we're like polar opposites and have nothing in common until this Amazon thing came along. And to be able to spend time with him and build a relationship with my brother that was never there, um, you know, reselling has been a lot more than just a way to support myself. It's so I'll tell you a good story. So how unhappy was I doing restaurants? And, you know, I, I really encourage people, you know, you've got to take a chance. You've got to, you know, you got one life. Um, so I lived across the street from my mother for 14 years when we were in North Carolina. And, uh, she said she went on one of the trips to Raleigh when I was still doing eBay. And she said, can I tell you something? I'm like, you've known me since you birthed me. You're allowed to tell me whatever you want. <laughs> and she says, well, I've been wanting to tell you this for her. Cause I've noticed a change in you for the last five or six months since you've stopped in the restaurants and you're now doing, um, you know, full-time eBay, you were working 60 hours a week. You were always tired. You were tough to be around. And that's stuff that we don't see in ourselves. And she's like, I finally got my son back. The person I've known before all this. And so don't let life, you know, turn you into somebody you're not, you know, follow your dreams, chase. I was so scared to walk away from my steady paycheck. I, the opportunity, if I'd have found this in 2008, I'd be king of the world right now. When the FAA first came out, I'd be the king, but uh, I'm, I'm enjoying just being a beard. <laughs> I love it. All right. So you've been doing this for, for a number of years now and you don't outsource anything, you know, to speak of you're, you're in the middle of every operation, whether it's the sourcing, the shipping, paying attention to the different platforms, whether it's Amazon or eBay, paying attention to rule changes. Since you have your finger on the pulse of reselling, all right, not specifically selling on e-commerce, but but specifically specifically reselling, let's talk about the state of reselling going into Q4 of 2020. Tell me what you see is like one of the biggest changes or some of the biggest changes you see uh, as opposed to the past eight or nine years that you've been doing this. What are some of the things you're most excited about 
for reselling and selling on these uh, platforms coming into Q4? And what are some of the things you're most concerned about? So just start firing off. Doesn't have to be in any particular order. So I'm excited about the opportunity. You know, I think with all the things in the world with, with the COVIDs and all the things, I think more people are going to buy online more than ever. And that trend was already trending that way, but the opportunity for you to sell and, I mean, I've already in July, I reached last year's sales. I mean, that's how great it's been so far. And I think fourth quarter is going to be just as good as the rest of the year. Now, do you attribute those sales to COVID or is there something that you specifically did differently? Like, are you sourcing twice as much to be able to hit your goals in half the year or, or is there just that much increased demand? Uh, is that much increased demand. There were, if you follow trends and products, it was amazing the velocity, the difference between eBay and Amazon is the velo- sales velocity. The amount of things you can sell on Amazon, if you get the right products, is just, there's no limit to the number. And the, but the one thing that scares me about Amazon is the ASIN limits going into the fourth quarter. They're only going to allow you to send 200 in at a time, on a lot of products until you've proved how many you can sell. And then also last year for the first time, they were so overwhelmed. They took their receiving department and put everything to the outgoing. And so if you don't have your products in by a certain time, you know, retail arbitrage, you know, a lot of people love to do Black Friday and love to see what they can pick up on sale and flip it immediately. But you're not going to have that window to get at the FBA. So if you're not prepared to do, we call it FBM, fulfilled by merchant, if you're not shipping yourself, um, you know, you need to be flexible enough to realize I can still sell this, but I'm going to have to do all the work instead of allowing Amazon to ship for you. Um, the post office is going to struggle. Um, there's going to be, but the opportunity is great if you're prepared and if, if you understand and can look at the landscape and go, if I'm prepared, you know, I've, I've got my supplies, I've got everything front ordered. All I need to do is, is find items because listing is easy listing on Amazon. For those of you've never done it while I'm in a store or buying something, I can list it for filled by merchant while I'm standing in line to pay for it it's that easy. I mean, it, you're not taking pictures, you're not doing descriptions. It's a new item. How many do you have? And that's pretty much it. And so, you know, I'll, I'll sell stuff. I've had items sell, list them in the store, sell them in the parking lot. And then, you know, I've got a day and a half or two days to ship them. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have the foresight to understand, you know, the way things have changed, uh, eBay is the same way. eBay, the demand is going to be great the same item sell over there and you can still make money the same way. You just don't sell as many. Yeah. And that's just because more people use Amazon, right? Is that, is that all it is? So l- let me talk about this increased demand. You basically did last year's sales in the first half of this year. You're, you're talking about how COVID has affected the, the demand. And there's a lot of debate as to specifically what increased that demand. And it's important for people to know going forward because the lockdowns aren't going to stay forever. Right, like like stores that that survive this pandemic will open back up. People will get back in the stores, and there's kind of two schools of thought. Some people are saying, "Hey, e-commerce sales are the the ridiculous, massive, you know, success they are right now because everybody's locked in their house." Other people are saying that's going to continue because people that have never shopped online before that were forced to have now like re-educated themselves to the concept of buying online. So what is your opinion? Do you think that this growth is going to maintain or do you think this is going to be a blip on the radar and things are going to go back to the, the same volume that they were, you know, pre-COVID? I, th- I think it just increases. I think people have seen, you know, sort of seen the light. I think, you know, ordering online is so easy. And, you know, 
the one thing it, it helps is we, we all have busy lives and people, the, the less, the less they have to do, you know, how long does it take you to go to Walmart to pick it up and to bring it back when you can just place an order and it shows up in a day or two, most items, as long as it's not a need, you know, you know, food and that kind of stuff, the, the pickup and they put it in your car model is working wonderful, but anything else, I mean, most items, there's no, people are finding out, Hey, wait a minute. So it's, I'm not going to have to see other people. They're going to drop it off. I don't have to go anywhere. I can do these. They're seeing the same freedom in their lives. And if you're taking things off their plate. And so people always ask me, why do people pay more for things on online? It's they pay for convenience. And that, you know, the convenience is, is what's driving this, I believe in the future. And so I'm, I'm definitely in the camp that it's just going to go forward. And you don't see an end to the reselling model, do you? I know things change. I know things get restricted. I know rules change on the platforms, but this is your business model, right? You're you're going to ride this horse until it, it falls over dead. Essentially, is that right? Yeah, and I, I don't think it ever. It, I don't think it ends because we've been doing this for as long as I can be. As long as I've been around, you know, I remember in the '80s when the first Cabbage Patch dolls and all that stuff. You know, that's a lot of things people remember it will change. And, you know, I talk about it on my, on my live shows, it's going to change. It's not going to look the same, but are you the kind of person that can adapt to the change? And, you know, my philosophy is I'm going to take advantage of change. I want to be the first ones to understand what the rules are and get at selling on the, at the rules are now, because if you sit back and complain and, and, and moan and groan, you know, people are passing you by. And so the, the quicker you can, Amazon and eBay both put out major changes that spring and fall every year. I mean, if you're not ready, you know, whatever the new rules are and you know, that's, that's what you do. And so, you know, I'm not willing to go back and work for somebody else. You know, I'm, I'm very comfortable with what I do. So if the rules change, the rules change, I'll, I'll play by the rules. Yeah. So let's talk uh, again about the, this logistics problem, something that, that is scaring you a little bit. And let me kind of reframe this. I was recently speaking to a, uh, a reporter from Reuters and she was asking me about this tremendous growth. Like, Hey, does this mean Q4 is going to be amazing for everybody or all the e-commerce sellers to just, you know, have, have record profits. And I felt like I was raining on her parade. Cause I said the same thing you did, Scott. I said, you know, the demand is so massive, but the platforms aren't going to be able to keep up. And I'm not, I don't just mean Amazon. I also mean like the shipping platforms. I really think that UPS and USPS, you know, they're going to have a hard time keeping up with this stuff. And this isn't just in the U S this is, this is Amazon globally. This is, you know, Mercado Libre and, and all these other platforms are finding this problem because the infrastructure takes so long to catch up to demand. You know, we can have one little issue like COVID pop up and, you know, the United States goes into lockdown and everybody starts buying online. So the growth is immediate, but it takes a long time for the platform to actually catch up to that as way, you know, in way of logistics. And this year we've already seen that we've seen inbound shipment stopped. We've seen stuff that used to take a week to get checked into FBA now takes, you know, a month and a half. Sometimes we've seen these inventory restrictions. And, you know, as you mentioned in years past, they already had such a problem in Q4 that they stopped inbound shipments and they moved all their inbound guys to the outbound side just to keep up with demand. So my concern this year is that a few things are going to happen. One is people are going to want a lot of products. Nobody's going to have them, 
right? So so people are going to be going online and being disappointed because it's not there. But I suspect a lot of those products will be sitting in people's garages like yourself, not being able to get them out. I think that people are going to spend a lot of money buying inventory and not realize that the logistics aren't ready for it. And they're going to be stuck with this inventory. I see like, uh, you know, I can't look at a crystal ball, but I see a lot of problems. So for you, you're saying that to avoid the logistics problems, you're prepared to ship yourself, right? Which is a little bit of a backtrack from the real advantage to Amazon, which is FBA, right? So you've said you're flexible, you're nimble enough. Do you think that generally e-commerce sellers are prepared, generally speaking, to do their own shipping, whether it's a 3PL or shipping out of their own garages, or do you think everybody's going to miss the boat this year? I think the people who are successful are going to continue to be successful. There, there are tons of people like me who think this thing through. You know, I, I think the strategy, the strategy I'm going to use is you, you front load FBA. That means, you know, you get your inventory in late October, early November. So you have plenty of, you don't, you know, don't accept the excuses. You know, it's an excuse. Oh, it took forever to, to, for them to check it in. And then I missed it. No, you waited too long to send your inventory in. You know, where is the responsibility lie in, in your mind when you're dealing with these things? You know, so I'm going to front load the inventory. It Does it cost a little more? Yes, because they charge you more. Amazon charges you more for October, November of storage. But I would rather it be there and be able to sell it. And then once once I front load it, I'll concentrate on what I can ship. And so really, if you just think it through and, and understand, so I think the opportunity is going to be the distribution chains are still broken, even to get to Amazon what, you know, and Walmart. What I'm saying is, you know, whether it's been 100 toys before, it looks like they have a hundred toys now, but you're only seeing the 20 up front. Where are the 80 coming from? You know, have, have they been able to get the supply chains fixed coming from the manufacturers? I think that's where the opportunity lies is can you identify what items are in, in demand, but for whatever reason, there's no supply of it. And I think that's the problem we're going to see in the fourth quarter more than anything is, is the initial wave. There's going to be plenty of inventory. and then. About December 10th, you're going to be looking around. Shelves are going to be empty. I mean, I've never seen Walmart shelves empty like they've been the last six months. Yeah, which is scary. I mean, I go to a lot of them. I mean, I got not just Walmart. It's 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 Walgreens. It's I mean, it's it's, it's across the board. It's grocery stores. It's, it's the supply chains are broken because they're just a mess right now. Oddly enough, I went to get uh, uh, some maintenance done on my boat recently, and and even the boat repair shop said we can't take it in. We can't get the the maintenance parts just from the manufacturers because you know the pandemic is global, and that's not something I've really thought about. You know, I I I tend to look at things in a small window. You know, and and like the questions I was asking you, you know, the logistics chain broken from I've got the product now I have to get it to Amazon and FBA, but but you're right, a lot of these products just aren't being produced and the distributors don't have them and the retailers don't have them and and they're just not there. So that being said, I think that it's not necessarily discouraging. Like you said, it just presents more opportunity and unfortunately the big guys aren't going to be able to capitalize on that. The 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 small nimble guys, the guys that can react, the guys that can adapt guys that can uh, learn quickly and make, you know, make quick decisions are the ones that are going to crush it this Q4. What about 2021? What do you see? Like if you could look into a crystal ball, reselling, arbitrage selling, mostly Amazon, eBay, going into 2021, what are you planning on doing with your business? What changes are you going to be making? And how do you see 2021 is different than, we can't say 2020, but maybe 2019. Like, what do you think is going to stay different next year? Well, I think the one thing about 2021 that uh, I've started thinking about, and it's kind of scary for me, is 
I live a lot on clearance, you know, through the year I buy a lot of clearance, you know, a lot of the inventory that's in my storage building now was clearance on the first part of the year. You know, th- those toys will sell very well in the coming months. But, you know, if I'm right and there's not a lot of stock to be had, there's not a lot of clearance because people are going to buy up everything. And you said in my model of next year, you know, you know, trying to find clearance, you know, how do I shift gears? You know, it, it becomes, you know, I'll probably go more to eBay where it's, you know, I sell a lot more used items on eBay. You can sell used electronics and things on Amazon. I just, I just feel more comfortable. The eBay customer understands what they're getting. So I feel more comfortable selling used products on eBay. And so I really have started to think about 2021, you know, clearance might not be as plentiful as it is now. And then what do you do? You know, do you have a second platform, you know, or have you put everything in one platform that, you know, that you're not prepared to deal with, you know, you don't have a second Avenue, a second option. And so, you know, that's scary for some folks is, is they don't know what they're going to do, but you know, I'm, I'm prepared to sell whatever on where, whatever platform is good. It doesn't bother me. I, I prefer Amazon just because, you know, the, it, the ease of fulfilled by Amazon, but in to maintain my lifestyle and to you know, to pay bills and those kind of things, I, I'm prepared to sell wherever. Yep. So what do you see as far as new platforms coming up for resellers? You know, we talk a lot about e-commerce platforms like Shopify change the game. And we've talked about, you know, Walmart for private label. But if a guy like you with a storage building and a garage full of stuff, what are the platforms are you starting to eyeball and look at? And it could be social media, you know, using Facebook marketplace, like, like as you continue to evolve, what is next for you in addition to Amazon and eBay? Recently started doing there's a local auction here that it's a consignment auction that you take stuff down and they, and they put it up similar to eBay. You know, they take the pictures and they take a cut and, and, and then you're given what's left. That has been a, you know, I've got a friend who does that. You know, we've got a mutual friend at Harlan who has been doing that for years and has been very successful. So, you know, I've recently started doing that as well. I think that the opportunity to do a local, I don't like the face to face. I'm contra. This is hard for me to explain to people. I'm the beard and I do whatever on YouTube, but in life, in real life, I'm an introvert. I don't talk a lot to people. You know, I, I, I kind of maintain my own lane. You know, they start doing all this COVID stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much normal life. <laughs> and, but so an auction, you know, an online auction like that, you know, but this local as there's a lot of interest there, you know, there's, there's a way to resell and a way to sell everything. It's just, can you find the right platform? If I sold clothes, I would do Poshmark. I just don't sell clothes anymore. You know, Poshmark is go look at Instagram and look at all the ladies and, and, and gentlemen that sell on Poshmark. That's an amazing opportunity for clothing sellers to get to get higher dollar for their items and sell a lot of clothes. There's there's plenty of new platforms. You know, just figuring out what's right for you is the tough part. Can you take advantage of based on what you do, can you take advantage of the certain platforms? But Poshmark is one that's up and coming that if I had any any kind of I wear a t-shirt and cargo shorts my my whole life that I can. I have no style for clothes to do Kapash Mart, but you know, that's, that's one that you look at and go, you know, if, if I lean that way at all, I would, I would be taking advantage of that for sure. Any other predictions that you want to share for Q4? Any, anything that, that keeps you up at night, either excited or fearful for, you know, like as we're recording this and releasing this, this is we're what, two weeks away from Q4. So like what's keeping you awake at night thinking about, the last quarter of 2020. See, I guess I, I guess I'm a different cat. I don't worry about that kind of stuff. I'm excited for the opportunity that's coming. I see. I, 
I'm the glass, glass half full guy. I, I see the opportunity. I, I see the work that's going to be involved, but the, the one thing when you find in life, the thing that you love to do, it doesn't feel like work. So I'm excited for the opportunity. I'm excited to push the products. I'm excited to see what I can sell. And so, and I'm excited to see, you know, whatever, whatever kink in the kink in the road comes, you know, how I deal with it. You know, I, that, that kind of stuff kind of doesn't, doesn't worry me anymore. It's, you know, once you've done this five or six years and seen the changes just since I started, uh, I'm just, I'm just ready to get it going. I'm, you know, the first part of the year has been so much fun. You know, the last part of the year is going to be a ball, you know, you know, every month I meet new people and, and, and continue to live as I choose. So I'm just excited to see what happens. It's such an odd world that we live in, in this e-commerce space, because what you just said, you know, the first half of this year was so much fun. I'd say that 99% of the population, you know, would disagree with you, but I guess luckily, uh, you know, we found e-commerce and we found the one sector that seems to be booming. And, and I couldn't agree with more with a lot of what you said about, you know, opportunity and glass half full. It, it's scary for us as humans to try to speculate what's coming up. And when we can't anticipate and speculate accurately, we assume the worst, you know, something terrible is going to happen. It's going to be an awful year. and um, I've kept having that feeling, you know, week after week, and it never turns out to be true. You know, it, it, when it comes to business, of course, you know, with politics and the the stuff that's going on in this world and the COVID, you know, uh, that's all a complete dumpster fire, so to speak. But when it comes to e-commerce, it just keeps trucking along and keeps doing well. So I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one that's that's optimistic and excited about this Q4 coming up. For those of you that have never experienced or, or been introduced to the art of reselling, you know, Scott's talking about things like driving around in his, you know, in his minivan to all these WalMarts and uh, going to these stores and finding finding eye drops. But the idea of reselling isn't just relegated to people here in the U.S. If you're international, you can do online arbitrage. And I've never personally done it, but I know a lot of people to do it. Scott, could you just give us just a quick rundown on what online arbitrage is? how it is similar to what you do, but also how it is different. And, and also, you know, your information kind of as it's pertaining to, to folks that might live abroad. Yeah. The, the one, the one thing that online arbitrage is it's a level playing field for everyone. You know, you have the same opportunity no matter where you are to order a product and have it delivered from my website. And, you know, where, or if I'm in the middle of nowhere, Alabama at a Walmart, that's a single door Walmart. There's no telling what I'm going to walk in and find. But you know, based on it, so the online model, you know, is is open to everyone. And I've never done it. Uh, I've, I've ordered a few things, and every time I've tried it, it seems like that you know that difference has disappeared before I can get it in stock. So it's kind of frustrating. I'm like, man, I could have gone and found. Look what I could have found in that kind of time. And so that's. But I've got plenty of friends. There's lots of different tools that really can help you do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm. I've enjoyed seeing the United States and all over this country. That's one, that's one, I guess one part I didn't really talk about is traveling through 41 States. It's been amazing to see the beauty of this country and I'm sure it's worldwide. Everyone has, you know, that's the one thing I watch a lot of van life videos. I love, I love traveling around the country. So it, you know, that kind of fits my eye and I, and the other, I have ADHD or whatever this I inherited. I will try to do something online and I'll look up and there'll be like 15 tabs open and I'll be off in my own little world. <laughs> I'm like, I'm supposed to be ordering stuff for the business. And yeah, so that, that, but if 
you know, that opportunity is there that, you know, using smaller websites that, that put out, especially limited edition items, you know, I'm in a couple of resale groups that, you know, post a lot of these leads to these online sites that it, it's amazing the money that they make based on knowing, you know, limited editions come from smaller suppliers. So it's a, it's the same thought process. It's just, you're doing it through your computer and maybe I'm too old. to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it, I, I think you kind of proved a point that I had in the back of my head, which is everybody assumes that online arbitrage and retail arbitrage are the same thing. And they're not. You know, retail arbitrage is definitely something that, uh, you know, you have to put your your shoes on and walk into these stores and drive around and, and hunt. But you might be the only person, you know, every other month that walks into the small retail store. Online arbitrage, you know, it's definitely open to anybody in the world, but it's also open to everybody in the world. And a lot of these these software tools that scan these more well-known websites like your HomeDepot.com or your Sierra Trading Post or your Walmart.com, everybody and their mama can find this stuff and, and buy it. And and the premise for those of you that that maybe abroad that haven't figured out what we're talking about, you know, you basically buy this stuff, ship it into a third party logistics center, they'll prep it and they could send it to Amazon for you. But what you said, you know, about these lesser known places, these uh, the riches are in the niches, you know, type of online websites, there's still a lot of opportunity. So those of you that may be living abroad that are that are just completely dismissing this entire concept of reselling, don't because if you will do your homework and find these lesser known places, uh, the equivalent of what Scott said, you know, the the one door WalMarts, but the online versions, there's a lot of opportunity out there. So as we continue, um, you know, our journeys in e-commerce, Scott, and and where you know you and I do two very different things, you know, with me and private label, your retail arbitrage, your your flipping world. Would it be safe to say that you're completely content to continue doing this? You're not worried about the the runway, you know, ending for this for this arbitrage world. And you know, would it be safe to say this is something you see, you know, supporting you probably for the rest of your life? Absolutely. Uh, see, the the one thing that gives me a lot of, as, as things change. See, so I started going to yard sales when I was like as as early as I can remember my life. I went to yard sales. With my mother and my grandparents. My grandparents, you know, they, they did the flea market, you know, they own the booth on the flea market and they did, you know, every, every week they do weekends, they do yard sales and they sell at the flea market. And as the end of their life, they did eBay as well before they, you know, they left us in the early 2000s. So as, as long as you have that kind of vision where you can change with roll with the punches, you know, it's there, there's no insight. Will it look the same? Heck no, but it, it the opportunity the more the one thing that the internet has done and is continue you know amazon and ebay's of the world have done have have blessed us with a lot of opportunity to reach people and to to sell things to people that you, you never could reach before and so i think that opportunity as as the internet continues to expand at the infrastructure of shipping and that kind of stuff uh it'll catch up it'll change you know the, the one thing i can tell you is it's never going to be you know, everything's going to be roses. There's always going to be an issue. It's, you know, do you focus on, oh my goodness, look what's coming. You know, they're going to struggle to get my product there or, or man, I'm going to sell the world. <laughs> you know, what, what type of person are you as the outlook going forward? And, you know, there's, there's always going to be, re- everything's been resold for, for, for millennia. It's going to continue. Well, awesome. You've, you've really thrown out a lot of uh, interesting thoughts and, and I appreciate you sharing your story. I think that regardless of what type of you know business those of you that are listening have, just keep in mind you know exactly what Scott said. Make sure it's something you love doing. Make sure it's something you enjoy. 
make sure it's something that, you know, obviously you can support yourself, but, but the way that you would define success can be different for everybody. You know, where we're like we talked about, there are a lot of people that want a huge team. They want, you know, to be doing $20 million a year, their own, you know, their own brand online. Scott's perfectly content being a one man show riding around the minivan with a garage full of stuff, you know, and, and there's nobody out there to say one way is better than the other. It's just different, you know, different strokes for different folks, so to speak. Scott, if, if anybody wanted to follow you and find out more about what you do, I know we talked about YouTube channel. How do we find you on YouTube? Um, just, you can search for the bearded picker. It shows up pretty quick. I had a Walmart video go crazy a few years ago. So I, you type it in, I show up pretty quick. Um, I'm on Instagram, same thing, the bearded picker, uh, eBay store, bearded picker. I've kind of put everything under that mantra just because make everything easier to find under, under one, under one name. So. And it would not be overselling it to say that Scott has some pretty incredible content. So for those of you that are interested, please take the time. Go check out his channel. Learn from him. Scott, thank you so much for being on. We're going to wrap it up. Those of you that are listening, if you found some value in this, make sure to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're uh, you're watching on, iTunes or Google or whatever it is. And if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Make sure that you are subscribed to this channel so that you can see our new weekly episodes coming out. Scott, any last words of wisdom for the audience before we uh, sign off here? Uh, the biggest, the biggest thing I've been struggling to, to, to help others see is, is remove fear from your life. The only thing holding you back is you're holding your back because you're on, it's in your own mind, you know, take a chance on yourself, bet on yourself. Uh, I, I found that every time I've done that, I win every time. So re, the, the less you fear, the more you can see things positive and, 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 and your happiness. It's amazing how you can help others and transform others just by. Just removing that fear is a fear should be the worst word in, word in the English dictionary. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you, Scott. Thank you for those of you that are uh, that are watching this. We'll see you guys on the next episode.